They do not get a free pass, ever. Hello, this is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, coming to you from Riverside, California. Podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we are reading through the entire Bible in a year. It's great to see you today. How are you? Welcome. Our reading today is Jeremiah 42 through 46, and I'm calling the episode, But You Promised. The show notes page for today's episode is lifespringmedia.com slash S12E144. Let's begin. Jeremiah chapter 42. Then all the military leaders, including Johanan son of Korea, and Jezaniah son of Hoshea, and all the people from the least to the greatest, approached Jeremiah the prophet. They said, Please pray to the Lord your God for us. As you can see, we are only a tiny remnant compared to what we were before. Pray that the Lord your God will show us what to do and where to go. All right, Jeremiah replied, I will pray to the Lord your God as you have asked, and I will tell you everything he says. I will hide nothing from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord your God be a faithful witness against us if we refuse to obey whatever he tells us to do. Whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord our God, to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. Ten days later the Lord gave his reply to Jeremiah. So he called for Johanan the son of Korea and all the other military leaders, and for all the people, from the least to the greatest. He said to them, You sent me to the Lord, the God of Israel, with your request, and this is his reply. Stay here in this land. If you do, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I am sorry about all the punishment I have had to bring upon you. Do not fear the king of Babylon any more, says the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and rescue you from his power. I will be merciful to you by making him kind, so he will let you stay here in your land. But if you refuse to obey the Lord your God, and if you say, We will not stay here, instead we'll go to Egypt where we will be free from war, the call to arms, and hunger, then hear the Lord's message to the remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. If you are determined to go to Egypt and live there, the very war and famine you fear will catch up to you, and you will die there. That is the fate awaiting every one of you who insists on going to live in Egypt. Yes, you will die from war, famine, and disease. None of you will escape the disaster I will bring upon you there. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Just as my anger and fury have been poured out on the people of Jerusalem, so they will be poured out on you when you enter Egypt. You will be an object of damnation, horror, cursing, and mockery and you will never see your homeland again. Listen, you remnant of Judah. The Lord has told you, do not go to Egypt. Don't forget this warning I have given you today, for you were not being honest when you sent me to pray to the Lord your God for you. You said, just tell us what the Lord our God says and we will do it. And today I have told you exactly what he said, but you will not obey the Lord your God any better now than you have in the past. So you can be sure that you will die from war, famine, and disease in Egypt, where you insist on going. Jeremiah chapter 43 When Jeremiah had finished giving this message from the Lord their God to all the people, Azariah son of Hoshea, and Johanan son of Korea, and all the other proud men said to Jeremiah, You lie! 
the Lord our God hasn't forbidden us to go to Egypt. Barak, son of Neriah, has convinced you to say this, because he wants us to stay here and be killed by the Babylonians or be carried off into exile. So Johanan and the other military leaders and all the people refused to obey the Lord's command to stay in Judah. Johanan and the other leaders took with them all the people who had returned from the nearby countries to which they had fled. In the crowd were men, women, and children, the king's daughters, and all those whom Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, had left with Gedaliah. The prophet Jeremiah and Barak were also included. The people refused to obey the voice of the Lord and went to Egypt, going as far as the city of Toppenhees. Then at Toppenhees the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, While the people of Judah are watching, take some large rocks and bury them under the pavement stones at the entrance of Pharaoh's palace here in Toppenhees. Then say to the people of Judah, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. I will certainly bring my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, here to Egypt. I will set his throne over these stones that I have hidden. He will spread his royal canopy over them. And when he comes, he will destroy the land of Egypt. He will bring death to those destined for death, captivity to those destined for captivity, and war to those destined for war. He will set fire to the temples of Egypt's gods. He will burn the temples and carry the idols away as plunder. He will pick clean the land of Egypt as a shepherd picks fleas from his cloak, and he himself will leave unharmed. He will break down the sacred pillars standing in the temple of the sun in Egypt, and he will burn down the temples of Egypt's gods. Jeremiah chapter 44 This is the message Jeremiah received concerning the Judeans living in northern Egypt in the cities of Migdal, Toppenes, and Memphis, and in southern Egypt as well. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. You saw the calamity I brought on Jerusalem and all the towns of Judah. They now lie deserted and in ruins. They provoked my anger with all their wickedness. They burned incense and worshipped other gods, gods that neither they nor you nor any of your ancestors had ever known. Again and again I sent my servants, the prophets, to plead with them, Don't do these horrible things that I hate so much. But my people would not listen or turn back from their wicked ways. They kept on burning incense to these gods. And so my fury boiled over and fell like fire on the towns of Judah and into the streets of Jerusalem, and they are still a desolate ruin today. And now the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, asks you, Why are you destroying yourselves? For not one of you will survive, not a man, woman, or child among you who has come here from Judah, not even the babies in your arms. Why provoke my anger by burning incense to the idols you have made here in Egypt? You will only destroy yourselves and make yourselves an object of cursing and mockery for all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the sins of your ancestors, the sins of the kings and queens of Judah, and the sins you and your wives committed in Judah and Jerusalem? To this very hour you have shown no remorse or reverence. No one has chosen to follow my word and the decrees I gave to you and your ancestors before you. Therefore, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I am determined to destroy every one of you. I will take this remnant of Judah, those who were determined to come here and live in Egypt, and I will consume them. They will fall here in Egypt, killed by war and famine. All will die, from the least to the greatest. They will be an object of damnation, horror, cursing, and mockery. I will punish them in Egypt, just as I punished them in Jerusalem by war, famine, and disease. 
Of that remnant who fled to Egypt, hoping some day to return to Judah, there will be no survivors. Even though they long to return home, only a handful will do so. Then all the women present, and all the men who knew that their wives had burned incense to idols, a great crowd of all the Judeans living in northern Egypt and southern Egypt, answered Jeremiah, We will not listen to your messages from the Lord. We will do whatever we want. We will burn incense and pour out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven just as much as we like, just as we and our ancestors and our kings and officials have always done in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For in those days we had plenty to eat, and we were well off and had no troubles. But ever since we quit burning incense to the Queen of Heaven and stopped worshipping her with liquid offerings, we have been in great trouble and have been dying from war and famine. Besides, the women added, Do you suppose that we were burning incense and pouring out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven and making cakes marked with her image without our husbands knowing it and helping us? Of course not. Then Jeremiah said to all of them, men and women alike, who had given him that answer, Do you think the Lord did not know that you and your ancestors, your kings and officials, and all the people were burning incense to idols in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? It was because the Lord could no longer bear all the disgusting things you were doing that He made your land an object of cursing, a desolate ruin without inhabitants, as it is today. All these terrible things happened to you because you have burned incense to idols and sinned against the Lord. You have refused to obey Him and have not followed His instructions, His decrees, and His laws. Then Jeremiah said to them all, including the women, Listen to this message from the Lord, all you citizens of Judah who live in Egypt. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. You and your wives have said, We will keep our promises to burn incense and pour out liquid offerings to the Queen of Heaven. And you have proved by your actions that you meant it. So go ahead and carry out your promises and vows to her. But listen to the message from the Lord, all you Judeans now living in Egypt. I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord that my name will no longer be spoken by any of the Judeans in the land of Egypt. None of you may invoke my name or use this oath, as surely as the Sovereign Lord lives. For I will watch over you and bring you disaster and not good. Everyone from Judah who is now living in Egypt will suffer war and famine until all of you were dead. Only a small number will escape death and return to Judah from Egypt. Then all those who come to Egypt will find out whose words are true, mine or theirs. And this is the proof I give you, says the Lord, that all I have threatened will happen to you, and that I will punish you here. This is what the Lord says, I will turn Pharaoh Hophra, king of Egypt, over to his enemies who want to kill him, just as I turned King Zedekiah of Judah over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 45 The prophet Jeremiah gave a message to Barak, son of Neriah, in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, after Barak had written down everything Jeremiah had dictated to him. He said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Barak. You have said, I am overwhelmed with trouble. Haven't I had enough pain already? And now the Lord has added more. I am worn out from sighing and can find no rest. Barak, this is what the Lord says. I will destroy this nation that I built. I will uproot what I planted. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. I will bring great disaster upon all these people, but I will give you your life as a reward wherever you go. I, the Lord, have spoken. Jeremiah chapter 46 
The following messages were given to Jeremiah the prophet from the Lord concerning foreign nations. This message concerning Egypt was given in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, the king of Judah, on the occasion of the battle of Carchemish, when Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, and his army were defeated before the Euphrates River by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Prepare your shields and advance into battle. Harness the horses and mount the stallions. Take your positions. Put on your helmets. Sharpen your spears and prepare your armor. But what do I see? The Egyptian army flees in terror. The bravest of its fighting men run without a backward glance. They are terrorized at every turn, says the Lord. The swiftest runners cannot flee. The mightiest warriors cannot escape. By the Euphrates River to the north, they stumble and fall. Who is this rising like the Nile at flood time, overflowing all the land? It is the Egyptian army overflowing all the land, boasting that it will cover the earth like a flood, destroying cities and their people. Charge, you horses and chariots! Attack, you mighty warriors of Egypt! Come, all you allies from Ethiopia, Libya, and Lydia, who are skilled with the shield and bow. For this is the day of the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, a day of vengeance on his enemies. The sword will devour until it is satisfied, yes, until it is drunk with your blood. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, will receive a sacrifice today in the north country beside the Euphrates River. Go up to Gilead to get medicine, O virgin daughter of Egypt but your many treatments will bring you no healing. The nations have heard of your shame. The earth is filled with your cries of despair. Your mightiest warriors will run into each other and fall down together. Then the Lord gave the prophet Jeremiah this message about King Nebuchadnezzar's plans to attack Egypt. Shout it out in Egypt. Publish it in the cities of Migdal, Memphis, and Toppenes. Mobilize for battle, for the sword will devour everyone around you. Why have your warriors fallen? They cannot stand, for the Lord has knocked them down. They stumble and fall over each other, and say among themselves, Come, let's go back to our people, to the land of our birth. Let's get away from the sword of the enemy. There they will say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a loudmouth who missed his opportunity. As surely as I live, says the king, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies, one is coming against Egypt who is as tall as Mount Tabor, or as Mount Carmel by the sea. Pack up. Get ready to leave for exile, you citizens of Egypt. The city of Memphis will be destroyed without a single inhabitant. Egypt is as sleek as a beautiful heifer, but a horsefly from the north is on its way. Egypt's mercenaries have become like fattened calves. They too will turn and run, for it is a day of great disaster for Egypt, a time of great punishment. Egypt flees, silent as a serpent gliding away. The invading army marches in. They come against her with axes like woodsmen. They will cut down her people like trees, says the Lord, for they are more numerous than locusts. Egypt will be humiliated. She will be handed over to people from the north. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, I will punish Ammon, the God of Thebes, and all the other gods of Egypt. I will punish its rulers and Pharaoh too, and all who trust in him. I will hand them over to those who want them killed to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his army. But afterward the land will recover from the ravages of war. I, the Lord, have spoken. But do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel. For I will bring you home again from distant lands, and your children will return from their exile. 
Israel will return to a life of peace and quiet, and no one will terrorize them. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, for I am with you, says the Lord. I will completely destroy the nations to which I have exiled you, but I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, but with justice. I cannot let you go unpunished. Beloved, have you ever made a bargain with God? You've been in trouble or in some other hard place and you said, Lord, help me here and I'll never sin again. I'll devote my life to you. And then the trouble passes and you go right back to your old ways. Yeah, most of us have probably done that. And let me say, that's not a good thing to do. We may forget, but God doesn't. And thankfully, God understands our foolishness and we have forgiveness in Jesus. But making a promise to God is still a serious thing. My suggestion is that you take your promises very, very seriously. In chapter 42, the people came to Jeremiah and they said, Please pray to the Lord your God for us. Pray that the Lord your God will show us what to do and where to go. Whether we like it or not, we will obey the Lord your God, to whom we are sending you with our plea. For if we obey him, everything will turn out well for us. So they made a promise that they would do whatever God told them to do, didn't they? Well, let's see how they followed through on their promise. But first, did you notice that in that first sentence they said to Jeremiah, pray to the Lord your God? Isn't that interesting? These were supposed to be God's chosen people, and yet they didn't say pray to the Lord our God. And when Jeremiah replied to them, he reminded them of the fact that they were supposed to be God's people. He said, all right, I will pray to the Lord your God as you have asked. Listen, either he is our God or he isn't. Either we follow him or we don't. Sure, we're weak and we fail, but if we're his, when we fall, we get back up and with his help, we try again. But that is not what these people did in chapter 42. You heard what happened. They did not keep their promise to do whatever God told them to do. God told them to stay there in Babylon and not go to Egypt. He told them that he would bless them if they stayed and bring disaster on them if they went. And they said, in essence, yeah, no, we're going to Egypt. We don't care what you tell us to do. So, really, they told it like it was when they referred to God as the Lord, your God, didn't they? They had no intention of listening if what he said was not what they wanted to hear. But God did keep his promise and he brought disaster on them. Let's not play games with God. Let's understand that he truly does want to bless us, and let's do our best to please him so that he can. And now let's look for just a moment at Jeremiah 46. Don't you sometimes wonder why God allows evil people to continue in their evil for so long? Doesn't it sometimes seem like God isn't even paying attention to what's going on? Well, of course he's paying attention, and yes, he will bring justice. But as we have seen as we've been reading through this book, God sometimes uses bad people to do his will. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God always causes evil people to do the things they do. Far from it. Most of the time, evil people do evil because they're evil. But sometimes... Sometimes God does bring punishment on those he loves through evil people to bring those he loves back into relationship with himself. We've seen that God used Nebuchadnezzar to do that with his chosen people, haven't we? 
but God always brings judgment to evil people. They do not get a free pass, ever. In chapter 46, we heard what judgment God had planned for Egypt. He was going to use the evil king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon this time to bring Egypt down. Nations and people can never escape the notice of God. He sees all the cruelty and injustice that man brings against man. He hears the cry of the innocents and the victims, and the day is coming when he will bring judgment to those who do wrong. Perhaps in their own lifetime, perhaps when they stand before him, but they will certainly know God's judgment. I'd love to hear your comments. Go to lifespringmedia.com slash s12e144 and put your comments there. Luke 5 and 6 will be our reading tomorrow. Boost. Boostagram. Sean of San Pedro sent a 500-sat Boostagram using the Fountain Podcasting 2.0 app just before I was about to hit the record button for today's show. He said, Hi, Steve. We'll pray for a quick recovery for Leanne's biopsy. Not fun. And Howie is still getting better. He's been in the hospital for more than nine weeks now, and we're very hopeful that he'll be out soon without any further setbacks. Well, Sean, thank you for the Boostagram, and thank you for your prayers for Leanne. And it's great to hear that Howie's making progress. And speaking of Boostagrams, I'm going to geek out here for just a moment. Sitting just to my right is my new Raspberry Pi, and it's currently downloading the Bitcoin blockchain and the Lightning Network, which can take up to three days. With my download speeds here at the LifeSpring Media Studio compound, I'm expecting it to complete sometime today if you're listening to this episode on its release date. Once the downloads are complete, I'll have my own Bitcoin and Lightning node, so I won't be reliant on third parties to have custody of the sats that you send to me. And when you send those sats to me using one of the great new podcasting 2.0 enable podcast apps, I'll get them in real time. I won't have to rely on a once-a-day report. Now, setting up a Raspberry Pi is a pretty geeky process, which I find really fun. And if you don't know what a Raspberry Pi is, it's a fairly inexpensive miniature computer, just a little bit bigger than a deck of cards. And in my use case, I attached a one terabyte solid state hard drive to it, which is about the size of a smartphone. So the whole thing is quite small and I'm having fun with it. And I do have more to learn, but I thought you might like to hear a little bit about the new toy. And if you'd like to start supporting the show by streaming sats to my brand new Raspberry Pi, get yourself a new podcasting app at newpodcastapps.com. They're getting easier to use all the time, and it is fun to stream sats to your favorite podcaster. Now, if you'd rather stick with good old currency like dollars, I'm always happy to receive those, of course. To find out how to support the show that way, go to lifespringmedia.com support. However you support the show, thank you, and God bless you. On this date in church history, January 21st, 1525, at a secret and illegal gathering of six men in Zurich, Switzerland, Conrad Grebel, a former protege of Ulrich Zwingli, rebaptized George Blarock, a former monk. And this meeting is considered the birth of the German Anabaptist movement. And on this date in church history, January 21st, 1886, Laura Maria Sheldon Wright died. 
She was an American missionary to the Seneca Indians in western New York. Her work influenced the establishment of the Thomas Asylum for Orphan and Destitute Indian Children, later known as the Thomas Indian School. Prayer Requests Well, I have nothing new to report on the lovely Lady Leanne's biopsy today, other than to say that she's feeling fine, and uh, I'll let you know just as soon as we know anything. And it's so good to hear that Howie is still improving, isn't it? Let's pray that he gets to go home real soon. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are holy, and you're righteous, and you are just. Thank you that you're not a capricious God. You are consistent, and you love us. But at the same time, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, you do want us to be obedient. Help us, Lord, to be more obedient out of love for you. And thank you for continuing the healing for Howie. In Jesus' name, we ask that you give him the strength to go home real soon. And thank you that Leanne is feeling okay. We pray that the biopsy comes back negative and that we'll just be able to look back at this time of waiting as a fleeting moment. Thank you for the LifeSpring family too, Lord. Thank you that they're here each day, and I pray that you'll bless them for their commitment to read your word this year. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, send in your prayer requests and your praises at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. You can comment on the show at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e144. You can email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com and please support the show at lifespringmedia.com slash support. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. My name is Steve Webb. I'm going to go play with my Raspberry Pi. <laughs> Bye. Bye.